Welcome to the Story Discovery Podcast. I'm your host, J.W. McAteer. Coming up, you'll hear a new work from our free online publication, Etched Onyx Magazine. Please join me and co-host Melissa Collings after the reading when we talk with the author about their work and all things writing and otherwise. This podcast and all related materials are a production of Onyx Publications. All works, stories, and poems are copyright 2023, all rights reserved. Today's story is a flash fiction piece titled, What I Remember, written and narrated by Zoe Mize. Settle in and enjoy. This is What I Remember by Zoe Mize. What I can remember is breathing deep the autumn air, sharp with campfire smoke, the tang drawing pinprick tears to my eyes. The campsite was only a narrow clearing, and the trees bent over our heads, looking down at us, watching. I remember that Luke sat opposite me, a brightness up against the thick blue woods behind him. His canvas chair had pulled back from the blaze while the rest of us knocked knees to reach the warmth. Hannah, her cheeks draw with heat, said we needed more beer, and I watched her hand trace the hard line of his shoulders as she left our circle of light. Someone said how sad it would be to go back to the city and offices and sidewalks, and we went on listing all the things not natural and all the things that made us want to give up and live in these woods and hike and eat hot dogs forever. We all laughed. Luke did, too. Rich, unfamiliar laughter that cracked open his thin face. We talked, we tittered, we let our sounds sweep out over the forest, and when later we crawled into our tents, the trees brought them back to us, murmuring, creaking, chattering. I listened, ear pressed the vinyl, pressed the earth. The leaves beneath my tent shivered with life. The cold burrowed in with me. I wondered if it burrowed in with the others, wrapped itself around their tender bodies. I wondered if they lay, too, listening to the soil shift and move. I know how it sounds now, but I thought of the dirt full of bones and meat and animals and the bugs that carried the bones and meat and animals and turned them into dirt. I thought there must be people, too, turning in there, just underneath us. It was a while before we worried, the pale light of morning gave way to generous color as we each stumbled from our tents and sat again around the fresh fire, our chairs apart now, space between us to stretch stiff limbs. Luke's spot was a hole. His chair sagged under the memory of his weight. His tent, when we checked, held only his meager backpack. The men crashed through knotted limbs up the rammed earth trail, searching and calling, and Hannah and I waited silent, trying to listen past the cacophony to some noise that must be Luke. He had been smiling, yes. Hannah saw it, too. Later, after the park rangers found his waterlogged body, I tried to remember every nighttime sound. The rustle of Luke pulling on his boots, slipping out through the zippered flap, gliding across the clearing, ducking into the deep dark of the forest, his steps pulsing through the ground below my ear. 
when he found the river's edge and lowered himself in, letting the inky cold seize his limbs, the current dragging him deep. What that sound carry to me? You just listened to What I Remember by Zoe Mize. And we have Zoe on the show today to talk about this super flash fiction piece. Welcome to the show, Zoe. Hi, thank you for having me. So good to have you on. TJ Cedar, our co-host this round, came down very, very ill and is not going to be on the show. So we're going to miss him, but we're going to try this flying solo and see how it goes. So, Zoe, one of the first things we do uh, when we kick off the show is just have you give us a little bit of background about yourself. Yeah, sure. So, um, Zoe, I live in D.C. I've been here 10 years, came for college and kind of settled. Um, but I am from Nashville originally, grew up yeah. there. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, and yeah, I'm a policy analyst in my daytime life. Yeah. And I try to write some fiction in my evenings and spare time. And so that's how I ended up here. <laughs> Great. Sounds good. Sounds good. Well, Have you yeah. been published elsewhere yet? I have not, except for a personal essay about the pandemic that was actually published in an like kind of academic journal for international relations. <laughs> so, wow. Uh, interesting. Yeah. So a little bit off the beaten, I don't know, path, so to speak, in terms of publishing. But yeah. yeah so yeah. this is my first fiction publication. Very well, we, are, we are glad to be that that first uh, publisher yeah. of it. So <laughs> it's a really strong piece. As I mentioned kind of before we started recording, I, I was just blown away by what you accomplished in under 500 words. So congratulations <laughs> on that. Thank you so much. I'm sure that one of the first questions the listening audience is going to want to know is, is this a true story? <laughs> it is not a true story. Entirely fiction. <laughs> okay, good. Entirely invented. <laughs> well, then tell us a little bit about what made you want to write about this topic. Um, yeah, honestly, I don't feel like I came into it really knowing that that's exactly what it was going to be about. I kind of started it with an image in mind before mm -hmm. anything else, which was of kind of this image of lying on the fourth floor and hearing everything beneath you and thinking about the, the dirt and the earth and what constitutes the earth, which is lots of dead things yeah, <laughs> um, right. and kind of all this processed matter. Um, and then, yeah, I guess just kind of extrapolated it from there, um, kind of set that into a setting of camping and then thought about how, yeah, that kind of imagery really is of death. Wow. Yeah. Well, it's quite powerful. So are you a discovery writer then? So you didn't really know where this was going to go when you started. Yeah, I, yeah, I really didn't know where it was going to go. Yeah, I think that's kind of, I'm realizing is more of my process. So thinking of like an image or, or very kind of loose circumstance and then going from there. The way that I kind of approached Luke was thinking about him as this narrator he was seeing him entirely from the outside and it kind of, yeah, it just made me think, I suppose, of like of camping and how it is a sort of disorienting experience where you are taken outside of everything, you know, all of your kind of like creature comforts and your home 
and put into this other setting, which obviously could be very nice and enjoyable doing that with all of your friends. But I think just kind of, yeah, I think I just honestly kind of ran with it in the moment that I was, that I first drafted it. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of thinking of this outdoors imagery, this idea of kind of the earth and what it's made of, and then just taking that out to this kind of, I don't know. Yeah. This idea of this character that we, we can't really get inside the head of Luke because he's, you're only seeing him from the outside from this right. other perspective. What well, I'm just realizing this now that you're talking about it. So you're, she's in the sleeping bag, kind of listening to the earth and, and then he, and, you know, thinking about the people that are there. And then one of her friends is a, about to become one of those people in a way. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and that's exactly kind of as I thought of it. And yeah, I think it's, it's also, I, I think the memory aspect too, you know, it's, it's taking the actual story and the perspective is from some time, unknown time later on, right. kind of reminiscing on it mm-hmm. and how you kind of, you know, when you remember something, all these different details pop up that you didn't think mm-hmm. of at the time or notice time, but gain significance and gain importance because of what's happened. So I think that's kind of like how it came to me from thinking about this actual event of Luke going off and, you know, committing suicide in the river versus kind of the memory of that experience of camping and -hmm. thinking about maybe more about the earth and about the experience of sleeping on the ground, which is not something we typically do, of course. Right. Um, And that kind of intimacy with the earth and all the dead things in the earth (laughs) yeah 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 that kind of special importance you would place on that in retrospect well and so when you did set out to write so you had this image pop in your head were you thinking this is going to be a flash piece i mean do you approach it from that perspective yeah i did yeah i knew this was going to be a flash piece i actually wrote this for a one-off writing class i took in dc (laughs) with a local writing center Um, so flash was the prompt and I think the only other aspect of the prompt was first person, which I was almost the hardest part about it at first. (laughs) Um, but yeah, so I knew it was going to be a flash piece. I didn't know it was going to be ultra flash. I mean, it's, (laughs) um, but you know, flash is already kind of, so I don't know the definitions kind of vary, but yeah. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, well, for us, it's a thousand yeah, or less. But- and then there are some flash competitions out there that are five words yeah. or something. I can't remember. So <laughs> right. uh, super short. Yeah. So, wow. Was that a writing group or a, a class? It is a, it's called the Writer's Center. It's local to the DC area. And you can sign up as a member, but I just took this as kind of like a one-off class. But they do, yeah, just, yeah, you know. 10-week courses and all kinds of things. Right. Sounds like the porch here in Nashville. Yeah. I don't know if that was around when you were here, but there's a writer's collective. They call themselves nonprofit. We love the porch. Yeah. That's great. You also mentioned in your notes to us that I guess you end up writing a bit more essay, but you prefer fiction. So just tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um. Yeah, I, this has been kind of a recent realization for me that I think for a long time, I went 
I gravitated towards personal essay part of out of maybe some sense of I, I don't I enjoy writing personal essays. I think you, you know, it's, it just sort of captures like I might just be going about my day and I have an idea about something and then I can kind of capture that. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously there's more thought into it than that, but sure. that's a, the gist of it. <laughs> how I approached it was kind of starting with that kernel of an idea based on something I've experienced or thought about. Um, and I think I used to, find that easier because I found fiction and plotting very difficult. Mm-hmm. And I think I've come to realize that I enjoy that element of fiction of maybe having this idea or this, you know, kernel and then being able to extrapolate it even further <laughs> away from reality right, right, and to really kind of disguise and distort it. So I am, I've always preferred fiction i read fiction i don't really read a lot of memoir or mm-hmm. um i read you know magazine essays and whatnot but yeah. don't yeah. read a lot of like longer form personal work um, right right and i've always preferred fiction wanted to be a fiction writer and i think i've just finally gotten to understand what fiction writing can do for me <laughs> and how i can approach mm. it um and really enjoy it and gain satisfaction from it. So have you been on a personal, and this, if this gets too personal, you just tell me we, we, we don't go down this path. But so on a personal essay, is that something you've been doing for a long time? Is it sort of like journaling or do you share them? Like what's the philosophy around that piece I mean, of it? I mostly like journaling. I don't share a whole lot. I did do I had a Substack phase, <laughs> turned into something that I was really passionate about um transit yeah (laughs) so i live in dc and i love i walk around i don't have a car um i walk a lot i'm a runner and i ride the bus to get everywhere or the metro yeah um and so last year i just started kind of like i guess basically just blogging about that on substack and writing little essays about the experience of being a kind of pedestrian in dc yeah it was something I got really into. And then I started this new job that just took up a lot more time. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. But yes. And that I think is another reason to go back a bit. It, why I think personal essays has been something easier to gravitate towards is I think coming from kind of, like I studied international relations and I think essay writing has just been really important to my academic background. Mm. So I think adding that kind of creative element has been something I've really enjoyed doing um and as a way as well to feel like i'm distinguishing myself as a writer in my field mm-hmm. uh and so it's something i gravi- gravitated towards which is also i think why i've recently gravitated towards fiction because it just it, it is nice to divorce myself from reality a little bit <laughs> right yeah. absolutely Anyway, <laughs> so you also mentioned that you're kind of working as a consultant and you've already sort of talked about how Substack has affected, well, in other words, riding the Metro and you created that sort of transit Substack uh, blogging has living in kind of a, a bigger city with sort of a different focus, I guess, than maybe like a smaller Midwestern Southern city. Has that changed your perspective at all on what you might write about? Um, yeah, I mean, I think... It's kind of hard to say, I guess, because I moved here for college. Yeah. Um, and so 
writing was kind of a, I did it a lot growing up, but I feel like approached it in a different way, being kind of like a child into adolescent and then moving here for my adulthood. Um, just been a different approach, but I do think living in a bigger city definitely has kind of broadened my horizons. I think I'm just around more people more frequently. And honestly, mm-hmm. part of that is the, not to bring it all back to transit, but everyone's out and about in a city like you see, there's just, you're kind of around people more often. Whereas a, yeah. a city like Nashville, which definitely is a city, albeit a small one, uh, it's a lot more suburbanized. And so you're not really mm-hmm. out in the city as much. Right around people in the same way uh so i do think there is something about that that really informs kind of the writing like kinds of just conversations you you hear the kinds of people you see just out in the street Mm -hmm. that can be very kind of you can draw inspiration from definitely um but i do think there's always going to be part of me that feels a little bit connected to the south it's just like a region with its own history and culture too that's always going to sure, inform it a little absolutely. as well yeah yeah good point i mean on the transit side of things i would say well first of all, have you been to nashville in a while so i haven't <laughs> i'm coming okay. in october but i it yeah. is going to blow your mind <laughs> i am not kidding i am not kidding it is going to blow your mind this place in the last 10 years has just skyrocketed i mean there are so many license plates from all over the country it's booming and you will not recognize streets i assure you i guarantee it but anyway but that even being said related back to the transit i find because i'm a transit guy too and and ride the bus it is such an equalizer and a what's the word i mean you said it but like when you see all these other people of different walks of life, you just don't get that in your car, yeah, right? Like absolutely. if you're in your car and you're driving yeah. around, you're in your own little bubble, you're listening to your own music, you've got your own control of the air conditioning and whatever, and it's your own little world. But when you're on a bus with people and you're sitting next to them and you can smell them yeah. or someone's behaving strangely or or not, I mean, it's, it's an eye into the world that you, I think, would really inform, yeah. you know, some characters in your writing and just in general yeah, in life. absolutely. I mean, it's... Yeah, it's the opposite of being in your own little world. You are, you have to share that world with the other people who are on that transit with right, you. Right, right. Yeah, and it's it's really awesome for just being able to like experience people and then understand how that could inform your writing and your creative process. Right, right. It's the ultimate voyeur. <laughs> it is. You know, you just yeah, get to watch people. It is. It totally <laughs> is. Well, and the last thing I would say about transit is for people that don't ride it, you should, <laughs> or at least try it. And because if you get on a bus at the same time every day, there is almost a community. Oh, like yeah. you get to know those people, even though you don't necessarily talk to them all the time. Oh, it's yeah. like this weird thing. And if there's snow or if there's something strange, I mean, it's just this really cool community that of strangers that is so awesome. It really is. I mean, you're bonded. I mean, you could never say a word to each other, but you know each other. You really yes. do. You've seen yeah. each- yes, I know. That's so cool. <laughs> All right, I'm <laughs> on transit. Okay, so you mentioned that you've got this new consulting job and it's kind of impacting your writing. How do you try to balance that? How do you try to fit writing in? Or do you? Or is it just come as you can? Or is it kind of a, a schedule? What do you do? Yeah, I mean, that has been the worst the endless struggle um i have 
been a lot better about it in the last year uh, in trying to carve out time to write. Understanding and learning as I go that giving myself dedicated time is really crucial. (laughs) Yeah, right, Um, right. And the class helped with that a lot because I work really well under a deadline. (laughs) Mm -hmm, Um, mm -hmm. And having some sense of structure was very helpful for me, especially forcing myself to write on weekends, which I am often not very good about. Um, Interesting. Yeah. Uh, But I do my best to try and give myself at least half an hour, which doesn't sound like very much, but usually half an hour turns uh into uh more, ideally. Right. And I I would love to say I try to do that five days a week, and that is not what happens. But (laughs) yeah, yeah. And, you know, there's ebbs and flows, um, certainly. Uh, I I was reading a Reddit AMA with Emily St. John Mandel, who wrote uh, Station Eleven. I really love her work. And she was talking about trying to, how she started kind of forcing herself into a schedule. And she said that she limited herself to two days a week for social time. Like if people, if she made Hmm. plans, she only made them twice a week, basically. Um, And I was like, that is such a good idea. And I tried to do that, but (laughs) not very successfully. Um, Even as more of an introvert. Well, you know, um, so Melissa, previously on the show, she would get up at five in the morning and write, and she kind of got me doing that. I haven't done that, I would say, probably in the last two months, but I don't know. There is something special about the morning hours. So, you know, it's like your time. You get your coffee, your tea, and you just like kind of, so I had to recommend that. And then a lot of other folks say, just writing something every day. And I don't even do that, but, you know, even just a couple sentences, Mm -hmm makes a difference yeah, so absolutely. yeah absolutely uh, it's a struggle yeah for everybody yeah it, it is i mean there's just aren't enough hours <laughs> yeah <There aren't. laughs> so did you learn anything about yourself when you wrote this piece um man i honestly this was the first piece i felt i really finished in like a polished way in quite mm-hmm. some time and I think learning that I could finish something was really empowering <laughs> yeah, um, and really edit and refine it, you know, and flash fiction, obviously it's so important to refine it because you, you only mm-hmm. have so many words. They all have to be perfect. Um, right. So kind of being able to take on that challenge was really satisfying. Yeah. Great. All right. You did mention, I have to, so we've talked about Nashville a bit here. But your parents worked at Davis Kid, which yeah. was this amazing <laughs> bookstore in Nashville and went away. But now there's Parnassus. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> but I guess, uh, and you said you're in some of the materials you sent us that your father was a big influence kind of in your desire to write. Can you speak to that a little bit? Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I mean, Davis Kid was just such a big part of my childhood. My parents moved to Nashville for Davis Kid. They were at the one in Cincinnati previously um and i <laughs> i feel like i was like it was part of my childhood like it was like a yeah. second home I'm, like running around in the back and helping stock shelves and oh, getting to awesome. know all the characters that worked there uh yeah. it was just really important to me just this the quality of it i don't you know mm-hmm. very nostalgic yeah um and my 
dad studied English. He's always been a writer. Um, he's always loved writing. Both of my parents read to me, you know, every night. Yeah, um, yeah. Really instilled a love of reading, a passion for reading, and me. That's great. As you might imagine working at Tabaskid, but yeah. Um, so yeah, I feel like my dad, in particular, because of his writing and his desire to write and be a writer, I think was really great about kind of encouraging that in me and in my sister as well. Um, and yeah, I think he's, and I think his, I have just never met someone who's read so much in their life. (laughs) (laughs) He's the fastest reader I know too, like just insanely fast. So I think just that kind of passion that kind of, it's always just been a part of our lives and how we were raised and how we grew up. It came mm-hmm. from both of my parents, but my dad in particular on the right yeah. side. Oh, that's very cool. Very cool. Yeah. Well, we are coming up on time here soon. And so we always have one question that we ask at the end, but I'll, I'll say that just for a minute. But so you've got this busy consulting job. Does anybody at your work know that you write? <laughs> no, not re- I mean, they all know I like writing, but so far it's been limited to kind of a professional level. Like I am the one in charge of writing our yeah, yeah. our daily newsletter and that kind of thing. Um, okay, yeah, yeah. it's a different type of writing, but uh, totally. Yeah, I know. I I know. I should. I think I could talk about it more at work. <laughs> Start easing yeah, it in there. Yeah. But do you share your writing? I'm assuming you share it with somebody. You have a beta or a first reader or something. Usually, my dad. Awesome. Um, I've started letting my boyfriend into it a bit. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. been exciting. Um, yeah. We always yeah. ask this question, which is share any piece of writing advice or a writing resource that you wish you'd know when you started out or that has just been super helpful or anything along those lines. Yeah. I mean, I brought it up before, but honestly, I think it's the best thing I've done for my writing in a long time, which is signing up for a class. Um, Mm -hmm. I mean, it's not, I hadn't taken a writing class since I was in college and I think going back to it, um, it's kind of like an adult with a bunch of other adults was really, (laughs) (laughs) you know, like (laughs) it was, it was focused. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it was just really, and I think good for kind of getting me back really into it and to really think about writing, think about how I can structure it within my life. Um, forcing myself to kind of finish things and really think about what I'm doing with the piece, how I, how I see it being completed. And then right. of course getting feedback from other people and also reading other people's stuff. Right. Because you don't get to do a lot of that. That's <laughs> in your true. Day-to-day. And you kind of learn to critique also, cause it really is a, a learning process on the critique side of things. You yeah. know what I mean? The, the writer is not you. Like you're, if yeah. you don't try to make it yours, right? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> That's totally. something you learn. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, great. So I recommend that to anyone. And the Writer's Center, if you're in the D.C. area, was great. <laughs> Terrific. Okay, great. All right, Zoe. Well, hopefully folks on the other end of this podcast won't notice that we had all kinds of technical difficulties <laughs> during the show. and It'll just be very seamless. But there are a few hiccups, and now you know why. <laughs> but um, thanks so much for submitting your work and letting us share it with the world. Like I said, I think probably when I responded to you, I was just blown away um, by how much you fit into under 500 words. And it's, <laughs> it's a really good piece and we're really excited to share it. Yeah. It's been fun talking with you as well. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a great opportunity. Thank you very much for listening. We hope you enjoyed the show. 
If so, please do us a huge favor and give us a rating on your favorite podcast app. Also, be sure to tell your writer friends. Ratings and word of mouth are our best tools for expanding the reach of the magazine and podcast. The Story Discovery Podcast is a free narrated podcast of works that appear in Etched Onyx Magazine. Edited by J.W. McAteer, all stories and poems are available at onyxpublications.com. That's O-N-Y-X publications.com. If you're feeling extra generous, you can support us at patreon.com slash onyxpublications or buymeacoffee.com slash onyxpublication with no S. As a nano publishing house, we are always looking for new works to showcase. If you'd like to submit a story or poems for consideration, please visit the submissions page on our website. In the meantime, keep reading and writing.